want to talk to you about the power of your mouth and just let me say something to you. It's kind of our takeaway for the night, but your confession will determine your position. Let me say it again. Your confession, the things you say will determine your position. Now, everything we do in life, we're sort of positioning ourselves. I mean, when you're looking for a job and we've been talking about job situations, you're positioning yourself. You're positioning yourself. When you're in the workplace, you're positioning yourself in your environment. When you come before God, you're positioning yourself. To position means to place. And literally, you're placing yourself in a certain place, a position so that the blessing of God, the outpouring when the job markets, promotion, I mean, you're positioning yourself to be successful. Am I right? Well, when we were going to talk about this, the power of our confession to position our lives. Because a lot of people are positioned in a bad place. And a lot of people are having exactly what they say. How many know in the job place, if you constantly talk bad about your boss, you are positioning yourself for failure? It's funny how some Christians think, man, I never get promoted, I get passed over. What have you been saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Well, they never heard me say it, Ah, but God did. And the enemy did. How many know there's a real devil? And he's out to take you down. And when you speak death out of your mouth, and when you speak poison out of your mouth, as my third grade teacher said, we had diarrhea of the mouth. When you speak out of your mouth poison and death, the enemy takes that, and the enemy now has leverage to exact a stronghold upon your life, whereby they now, the enemy now has leverage to hold you down. You know, it's hard to hold down a greased pig. You know what I mean? I grew up in West Texas. Not that I ever tried to tackle one of those, but I did go to a rodeo one time where they actually had one of those. And it was funny watching all... I didn't get out there. I was like, no, no, no. But I, I watched a bunch of kids get out there and try to catch it, and they could not get a hold of this thing. Let me tell you something. This is a goofy metaphor, but, uh, you know, the metaphor fits. Use it, right? But I mean, literally, when we are positioning ourselves under the blessing of God because our mouth is lined up with the Word of God... We are literally like a spiritual grease pig. Come on, somebody. And the enemy, I know it's weak, and the enemy cannot get a hold of you. Let me tell you something. When we're constantly speaking negative things, we're constantly spewing out poison. We're constantly speaking about how bad things are, how terrible it is. Oh, the world, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We literally, it's like putting handles all over your life whereby the enemy can get a hold of you and hold you down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is real, and this is where we live. And it's amazing to me. I meet so many. I mean, in 30 years of doing this, I don't know about you, but I still remember being not saved. I remember a life before Christ. And I remember living a life that was marked by failure at every turn. That doesn't mean I didn't do some good things and have some good breaks and have some good opportunities. But let me tell you something. I did not know how to live a life of victory. I didn't have peace. And I was constantly trying to fill my soul with stuff. So I'd try this identity on. I'd, I was a kicker for a while. I was an athlete. I, I was a rocker. I was a headbanger. I was a metalhead. I, was, I mean, I was, trying on, I was trying on all these identities trying to fill the hole in my soul. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you know what? Nothing filled it. And you know what's more tragic for me? It's, it's one thing to be, to not know Christ and to not know the Prince of Peace, thereby not having peace. But what is really tragic to me, brothers and sisters, is to see Christians who still haven't found the Prince of Peace. 
Man, they checked the box on a card. They got dunked in a hot tub. They said the right words, prayed the right prayer, attended church, did their church thing, but never connected to the Prince of Peace, and thereby they live a life that is marked by drama, that is plagued with, with turmoil and tension. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I tell you, the Prince of Peace is the one who gives us perfect peace. Amen? And I'm telling you, if you're not plugged into Him, you're just going to live a life of constant turmoil and defeat. And I see Christians constantly in it. That's why I'm so passionate. I mean, I know I get fired up. I know I spit all over the first three rows. (laughs) So I Pastor Rich moved a minute ago. I'm going to move back a little bit for you, bro. I mean, but the thing is, is because I'm so passionate because at 48 years of age, I've started to find some things. I've started to apprehend a few things. That doesn't mean I've arrived. I'm like Paul, man. I haven't made it. I'm not there. But let me tell you something. I do have something to say. I have learned some things and some things are working. Some things are working. So I've got some things I want to share with you. And really, some of it's out of my own personal walk because, man, I I need to, whenever I'm learning something new, I need to find somebody who's gone before me so that they can, in a sense, show me the ropes. You know what I mean? And then when they're showing me the ropes, that means they've been there, done that. They've learned some lessons and I can learn from both their failures and their victories. Amen? Amen. And so I want to share some things and teach you some things because your confession will and is determining your position. Your confession, what is coming out of you. And how you know we leak out what we are full of? And so let's talk about how to take care of that. So we're going to talk about that. Every day, I do something every single day. It has become, after 30 years, a very ingrained habit. How many know there's bad habits and good habits? Well, this is a good habit. And one of the things that I've, I've adopted and adapted into my life is, is confessing just a whole... I started listing them out. I've never done this before because you've heard me when I preach and I talk about it. I say, hey, I'm the head, not the tail. We're above only, not beneath. Bless God. That's Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's all that is. Just put into a, a form of a declaration. And I've been doing this for years over my life. I mean, if I'm going into a meeting that I'm nervous or concerned about, maybe I'm going into an environment that I'm intimidated. Hey, hey, everybody gets intimidated. Everybody can have an insecure day. Amen. So what I'll do is I'll begin to declare what God says about me over my life. And I'll literally, my confession will position me for confidence. My confession will position me to be strong, to be secure. Does that make sense? And so I want to encourage you and I want to teach you how to do this because this works in my life. How many know the word works, but you've got to work the word, right? We know the word works, but you've got to learn how to work the word. So I want to spend some time teaching you how to work the word. Now, I started listing out things that I'd say every day. I mean, they've just become normal. And it's funny because sometimes somebody will approach me and go, now, where's that found in the Bible? I go, I have to look that up. I've been doing it so long, I forgot where it was. Because some of these declarations, like, you know, uh, things like no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I should know it's in Isaiah. I do know it's in Isaiah, but it's Isaiah 50-something. But how many, how many of y'all know it's not so critical that you know the chapter and verse as long as you know the word? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I've just, over time, have put together this, this bank of confessions and declarations. I want to share some of them with you because I've never taken the time to write them down. 
And when I first started this, I thought, I'm going to write down about 8 or 9 or 10. And then I stopped at 15 and thought, I'm just getting started here. I didn't realize how much and how often I did this. I do it in the shower. I do it when I'm walking through the house. I do it when I get up in the morning and I'm going to get my coffee going. I'm starting to speak these things. I do it when I'm driving almost constantly. And I do it in the shower. It's a great place. Amen? How many know you say I'm more powerful in the shower because it has good acoustics, right? So you just feel more powerful there. But anyway, I just, I mean, literally everywhere I go, I'm just saying this stuff constantly in my mouth. Just constantly getting the Word of God on my mouth, getting these declarations. Anybody want to learn what this means? The value of declarations. Let me give you a definition of declaration because we talk about confession. We talk about declaration. But you know what? A lot of us throw around these terms, but not everybody knows what we're talking about. So let me just kind of break this down for you. Declaration is this. In the Latin, it literally means to make quite clear. So whenever we make a declaration, we are clarifying something. And let me tell you, when I declare the word of the Lord, whether it's driving down the road or in the shower, in the backyard, wherever I am and when I do it, I am clarifying for myself. I'm clarifying for heaven. Because remember, your confession determines your position. So I'm clarifying for heaven. Let me tell you who else I'm clarifying for. I'm clarifying for the devil. And I'm letting him know that I know who I am in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Are you with me? My goodness. Is it too hot in here? Do we need to crank the air down? Okay, I'm just curious. Declaration means to make quite clear. So we're clarifying when we declare. Now, look what it means. A declaration is this. It's a statement of one's principles. In other words, declarations are like your core values that you're announcing. You're speaking. It's a statement of one's principles. The formal announcement of a state or a condition. In other words, I'm declaring that I am this. I had Pastor Rich email me some of his. He, I think he shot me about eight of them. And we're going to share those. We won't share those tonight. We're going to, I'm going to share you some of his. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to survey some others. Because all of us have these declarations that have become personal things to us whereby we are able to speak forth life. So a statement of one's principles. Principle, that's a core value. It's what you operate by. It's a law or principle by which you operate and by which you're motivated. The formal announcement of a state or a condition. I am in this condition. Now, here's the thing. When I make a declaration, I may not feel like what I'm saying. Does that make sense? I may not feel like I'm the head. I may feel like I'm the tail. But my declaration is a statement of a condition that I'm in, not, not of a feeling that I'm feeling. Does that make sense? So when I make a declaration, it is by faith and not by sight that I'm doing it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's okay to talk back in church, folks. This isn't a Baptist church, all right? Talk to me. All right, the release. Now look what it is. a declaration is also. A release of one's faith by words audibly spoken. How many of you want to live in victory? How many of you want to live like you're the head and not the tail? How many of you tired of being underneath instead of on top? How many of you ready to walk in victory? You know, it's interesting to me because I meet a lot of Christians who say that, but they're not willing to do what it takes to get that. Are you ready? Are you willing? Do you want to be the head and not the tail? Do you want to win in life? Do you want to overcome? Just curious. Checking. The release of one's faith by words audibly spoken. So our confession will determine our position. Is this making sense? 
All right, number one, I'm going to give you some things. We're going to look at some scripture. You can look up on the screen. It is out of the mouth that we reveal what is in the heart. Just some simple things. Luke 6, 43, look at that scripture. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what? Good. It just makes sense. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out, and this is the key phrase right here, look at this. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth does what? And notice it says, it doesn't say his mind thinks about it, it says his mouth speaks. In other words, our mouth becomes the barometer of our heart. So you can say you're one way, but your mouth could betray you. Does that make sense? You can, you, can, you can claim that you're one thing, but if I listen long enough, I'll find out if that's true because your mouth will reveal it. And you'll, It's funny when people say things and they slip and go, I can't believe I said that. And the enemy's going, I can. I can. And the Lord's going, eh, unfortunately, I can too. And so what we want to do is begin to line up our thinking and our speaking with God's word. Amen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. Here's another one. And this is out of Genesis one. The earth itself was created with what? Words. Words. Genesis chapter one. I'm going to look through here because I'm going to I'm going to skim over it. And and Randall, you're just going to have to kind of flow with me on this. Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Interesting, that word hovering literally means incubating. Verse 3 says this, Then God said, Then God what? Okay, God's out there in the middle of nowhere. The earth is without form. It's void. And in the middle of nowhere, God uses what to create the earth? He uses his words. How many of y'all know that words are powerful? So he uses his word. God speaks. Someone say, God speaks. See, when God speaks, things happen. Amen? Now, here's the awesome, amazing thing is that all of us have been created in the Imago Dei, which is Latin for the image of God. So when we speak, what should happen? Something. Amen. We have creative power with our words and with our voice. It says this in verse three. Then God said, let there be light and look at the result. And there was light. God in Romans four says, and God who calls those things that be not as though they were. In other words, God calls into being out of nothing. Does that make sense? Let me tell you something. You can, with your very words, change an atmosphere. You can change your mind, change your perspective, and you can change another person's heart. Amen? It's amazing how an encouraging, life-giving, positive word can bring somebody up out of the pit. Amen? And that includes the HEB clerk, the Walmart clerk, the gas attendant, the waiter, the waitress. Amen? An encouraging word, a life-giving word out of you. Let me tell you something how powerful this is. When you know you're anointed... When you know you're empowered by the Holy Ghost, when you know God has filled you and empowered you, you can speak those words with authority and you will literally change environments. Does that make sense? Because your words carry creative juice, creative power. Amen? So he says this, God said and there was. Now on down, God saw it and and it was good. God, look at verse 5. God called. How do you call something? With your mind or with your mouth? With your mouth. 
God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. So look at the result. The evening and the morning were the first day. God said and it was again. God called and it happened. How many know God's pretty powerful? How many know God's given you authority? How many, let me tell you something. You're more powerful than you think. There is a champion in every body in this room. There is a champion. There is a powerhouse in every person in this room. Some of you just have, don't know it yet. You're like Woody in Toy Story 2. You don't know who you are yet, but we're going to help you find out who you are. Amen? And we're going to sick you on the world. We're going to sick you on your workplace. We're going to sick you on your family in a good way because you're going to begin speaking life and blessing over your family. Amen? Amen. Anybody getting this? Verse 6, then God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide. God said, God said, God said, and then go all the way to the end. Verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made. How did he make it? He made it with his mouth. God's word. He made the world with his mouth. And then when God saw what he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. Someone say very good. Man, wouldn't you like to go into your work environment and completely shape it, fashion it with your words, speak life, speak blessing. When I worked for Buckner Children's Home back in the day before when I took about a three year break from being in church ministry and I was on staff at Buckner Children's Home, I would get there before anybody else. And there were many days that I would go into our cottage because it was a children's home where we had uh, like seven cottages on this big campus, uh, much like Hendrick here. Or, or like uh, New Horizons, Ben Ritchie, it's similar to that. And I would go into our cottage where I was the caseworker over that cottage, and I would walk through the rooms of the students when nobody was there, when they were at school, house parents were away. I would walk through that whole cottage, and I would speak life over that cottage. I'd walk by the beds of those kids, and I'd just drag my hand on it, and I'd say, I declare in the name of Jesus that you, Tyrone, are going to be a champion for God. You are going to be a winner. You are going to make it. You're going to get past this. You're going to survive this. I'd go to the next bed. And I begin to speak life. Then I'd go down to the house parents' room, which the door was locked. And I'd just touch the door, just the doorpost, and just say in the name of Jesus, I declare life over these house parents. They will not grow weary while doing good. They're not going to get frustrated. They're not going to get pulled down by the dysfunction of this environment. But they're going to set the pace. They're going to be helped. See what I mean? What I was doing, I was shaping that environment. Does that make sense? Now, here's the deal. I was confident enough in God's word in me that I felt confident speaking into that environment. Guess what? We had an awesome cottage. We had awesome breakthroughs in that house. It was an amazing season, an amazing time. Why? Because of words. And God saw, look what it says, because he saw it, it was very good. Would you like to walk into your environment and know that because of what you said, that you could step back and go, man, that's very good. Would you like to walk into your home and know that because you continue to speak life over your children, life over your, over your home, life over your spouse, life over your family, life over your dog and cat. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all care. That's, that's more important than anything. Come on. Life over your dog. Life over Sparky. Come on, Sparky. Come on. Hang in there. Life. Wouldn't you like to be able to step back and, and one day look at your home and how things function and run and work and go, that's very good. That's very good. Lately, I've been walking through my house and just going, God, you're so awesome. This is very good. This is very good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody desire that? 
man, you ought to want that as much as your next breath. And know that God can take your words and shape and mold and create. I mean, why would God give us all this anointing and power and everything? And then, it, and then just, we're just supposed to be good citizens for the rest of our life. Are we not supposed to make a difference? Amen? All right, come on. So God saw it and said it was very good. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I mean, God just did it, and it happened, and he spoke it. Verse, number three, Jesus used words to fight the devil during his temptation. Luke chapter 4, check this out. It was when the enemy, actually it says the Holy Spirit, led Jesus into the desert to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. That's kind of weird, isn't it? There's a whole teaching there. But look what happens in verse 4. When the devil comes and tempts Jesus and, and makes an offer to him, look what Jesus does. But Jesus answered. Someone say, but Jesus. but Jesus. Anytime you see but Jesus, you're like, uh-oh, look out. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word. By every word of God. So we've got him talking about something that's been written, something that is a word. Now look what happens in the next verse. In verse 8, he comes up on him again. Or verse 5, is it verse 5? Go ahead, back. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So the enemy sets up another opportunity for temptation. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. What the devil didn't know was that not far off from there that Jesus was going to get the keys of the kingdom right back. So the devil had a limited time, right, of authority. And Jesus is going to get the keys of the kingdom back. And we know that happened. Now look at the next verse. Therefore, and this is the devil speaking to Jesus. Hello, how crazy is this? If you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus is like, like, I don't know, this is coming. All right, now look what happens. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me. Jesus answered in what? What did Jesus do? He said, he spoke. He told, he said, he didn't sit there and go, hmm. Hmm. He didn't meditate. He spoke. He spoke. He spoke. He said, get behind me, devil. For it is written, you shall, for it is written. He says, look, this is what God's word says. And I'm going to use God's word to repel you. Some of you need to get a clue about this. When you feel that, man, when you feel that, when that peace goes away, when the enemy who's a thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy, robs your peace, you need to go get the word of God. Go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me see what the word God says. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in, by, and through Christ Jesus. Okay, this is what it is written, and I say unto you. See, that's, that's getting the word on your mouth and using it to deal with a situation. How many know God's word is practical? God's word is for you every day of your life. This isn't just a, a nice book for the preacher to talk about. This is your book. This is for you. This is, your, this is your weapon. This is what you use to do hand-to-hand combat with the enemy every day. And God has given you authority to use this word. Look what he says. You shall worship. Jesus said, get behind me, devil. You're going to worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. Jesus used the word to battle and deal with the devil. Verse 12, we have one more. Remember, he said, it is written. It is written, and Jesus says it. Now look what he says. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been what? It's been what? If something said, it is spoken. Am I right? It has been said. It has been spoken. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus used God's word and spoke God's word, used it as a weapon to defeat the enemy. 
But not us. We go to our coworker. I'm not feeling good today. What do you think's going on? Your coworker who's unregenerate, never, I mean, not been before God, says, well, I think, Oprah says, Dr. Phil says, Red Book says, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. Well, you know, I read a blog today, and it says, but how many know we need to come back to this word and go, let me see what God's word says. Whose report am I going to believe? I think I'll believe the report of the Lord that says, man, the peace of God that passes all understanding. God's word says I'm the head, not the tail. God's word says I'm blessed coming in and going out. Oh, wait, that's what God's word says. Well, I think I'm going to take God's word over what I feel right now. I had a conversation with somebody this weekend, and I just they were asking me a very difficult question about some long-term, lifelong feelings and things they'd struggle with, and I just had to say this. I didn't have my book. I had my phone, <laughs> my Bible on my phone. I said, well, my Bible says. I pulled out my phone. I said, here's the deal. The Word of God trumps how I feel. Okay, somebody needs to hear this tonight. The Word of God has to trump how you feel. It has to trump your emotions. It ha- emotions are, are a great, great tool and asset, but they're a terrible Lord. They're a terrible master. And the Word of God has, you've got to position yourself to where the Word of God trumps everything. Amen? Well, but I feel like this. And I say, but God says. But God's word says. Can I get an amen? amen. I know it's sitting comfortable, but it's, it's the truth. It's God's word. And we've got to live our lives according to this word, not according to our emotions. Amen? How I many of your emotions are going to take you all over the place? It's like a ship without a rudder in a windstorm. I mean, you're just all over the place, and you're at the mercy of the wind. Faith is released through words. Mark chapter 11. I'm reading some familiar, intentionally familiar passages because I want you to get this. Faith is released through our words. Look what it says. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever what? Say it with me. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast to sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he what? Says. Say it with me. He says. Will be done. He will have whatever he, come on, says. He will have whatever he says. And when when Rachel asked me about her little friend, I said, well, she just has what she says. Let me just tell you something. I love all of you. Say, I love love. Coach Jimmy. Uh, I love every one of you, but let me just say something. Some of you have exactly what you say. I love you. I'm I'm telling you. And when I I hear poisonous stuff coming out of my mouth, I got to arrest it. Stop that. Stop it. And it is worse. It is not easy, especially when you're having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. Can I get an amen? It's easy to just. And how many of you know it's just so easy to join in somebody else's pity party? Man, everybody around you and everybody wants to belong. That's what Maslow told us, our hierarchy of needs. We just want to fit in. We just want to belong, and we know that's real. So anytime you get around a group of negative people, it's easier to join in than to fight it. Can I get an amen? But let me tell you something. Fight you must and resist going with the crowd because it will bring you down every time. And I don't know, my Bible says this, that you've been called to be the head and not the tail. So sometimes you've got to even put aside your need to belong, your need to fit in, and say, Maslow, take a hack. I've got, I got to rise above this thing. I, I refuse 
to join in. Even, if, even though I'm going to get pats on the back. Let me tell you, Rice Brooks said this. He said, every step you take away from the cross, there'll be ten people there telling you you're doing great. Yeah, come on. Every step away from the cross, you'll have people validating every step. Does that make sense? There'll be coworkers around you. There'll be family around you. There'll be friends around you going, yeah, I knew, I knew you couldn't keep that up, man. That church stuff, I, that's too much. Uh, man, nobody can live like that. Whoa, I don't know about that. I think somebody can. I think you can. Because there's a champion in every person here. There's more in you than you even think. They will have whatever they... What are you saying? What are we saying? So what we're going to do, we're going to get trained in how to say some good things. Amen? And we're going to call it replacement therapy, where we're going to take out some of that trash, and we're going to put in some life-giving words. Amen? All right. And then another thing. Uh, Jesus defied and counteracted the established laws of nature with what? His words. His words. Here's a couple of examples. Matthew 8, 26. Jesus, they're on the storm, on the sea, and the storm comes up, and it says this, But he, Jesus, said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and did what? He rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. To rebuke is to speak, and it literally means to arrest. It's with your words you're stopping something. You're arresting something. When you rebuke, it means to arrest. So literally, you're stopping it. And so he literally, with his words, rebuked the storm. He arrested it. Matthew 17, 18. Jesus rebukes a demon. Look what it says. And Jesus rebuked the demon. He arrested it. He stopped it. Someone say, he stopped it. Now listen, he didn't stop it with his mind, with his mental power, superior mental strength. He stopped it with his mouth. And it says this. And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Do you know you have the power to rebuke and arrest a demonic spirit, demonic activity? You know, it's so funny because we think in terms, we think demons like, you know, the exorcist or something. But you know what? Demons are far more cunning than that. (laughs) They're a lot smarter. They're a lot more subtle. In fact, they look a lot more like us. You know, no head spinning around, nobody spitting pea soup, no, no, you know, cold, you know, breath coming out of your mouth. Just they look a lot like us. So much more cunning, so much more subtle. I mean, if you ever deal with one of those real blatant ones, they're the dumb ones. Let's just be real. They're the ones that, oh, that's so obvious. Come out, you know, Jesus' name, done, be gone. All right, let's get back to work. I mean, but it's the subtle, it's the subtle cunning ones that are dangerous. Amen? And Jesus rebukes this demon that comes out of him. Luke 4, 39, Jesus rebukes sickness with what? His mouth. So he stood over her, rebuked the fever. He arrested the fever, spoke, and it left her, and immediately she arose and serve them. It's a whole other situation. Now, I'm just going to read through just the 15 that I wrote down. I'm not going to expound on any of them, but I want to let you know just some things that are on my mouth, and I'm going to train you, and you're going to adapt and adopt them for yourself. I'm going to read some of Pastor Rich's next time. He's got eight of them, and and I'm just going to get these out just so you can get an idea of things that we're saying. They're up on the screen. You can see it. One of the things that's one of my confessions, the Lord is good. That's one of my main core values. No matter what's going on in my life, God is good. The Lord is good. No matter what, I don't care how bad the situation looks, I don't care how many people are stuck underground in Chile, God is good in, in the middle of it. Amen? I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's going on in our nation, in our economy. God is good. Period. It's, it's us that are jacked up. Can I get an amen? But God is good. Here's another one. I'm grateful. Grateful. Man, I'm I, on my mouth constantly. 
Here's another one, and y'all hear me say this all the time. I'm the head, not the tail. Okay? All that is is God's Word, Deuteronomy 28. All right? Here's another one. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you ever just feel tired and you just need a little boost? Well, you can take a five-hour energy drink, which helps, but let me tell you something that would really help. They are Starbucks, double tall, non-fat vanilla latte. But let me tell you what really helps is when you begin to declare the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is the joy of the Lord, the joy of God, the joy of God. Sammy has a gift for stirring up that joy and that passion. But, but man, I tell you, you've got to learn to stir yourself up. Amen? Like yeah. David is like, here's some more. Number five, I prosper with purpose. Let me tell you something. I don't want to get rich to get rich. I could care less. And they'll tell you, I don't care about money. Frankly, I think it's stupid. It's, it just, it's, the love of money is the root of all evil, and it just jacks people up. I mean, the curse of the lottery. I mean, you, I mean money messes folk up. I remember growing up in high school, my best friend, they owned a mega ranch. They were mega bazillionaires. It was the most dysfunctional, jacked-up group of people I've ever met in my life. Their family was completely decimated. And so it taught me that money is not everything. But let me tell you something. God uses money in the world because we're not going to win the world with a sock puppet and a flannel board. Amen? It takes money to get this gospel out, so money's important. So I want to prosper with purpose. And be blessed so that I can be a blessing. Amen? You should, you should declare over your life, I'm a distribution center for the grace of God. And that, that includes everything. So prosper with purpose. All right? And the word prosper simply means to succeed or have good success. All right, here's another one. My family is blessed, empowered to prosper. The word blessed means empowered to prosper. The word curse means empowered to fail. And so my family is blessed. And I constantly speak that over my family, that my family is blessed. My family is blessed. I speak it constantly. Here's another one. No weapon formed against me will prosper. That's Isaiah 50-something. All right, next one, eight. God makes all things work together for my good. Do y'all believe that? It's Romans 8, 28. That declaration on your life will, will answer a lot of issues. God is making all things. Now, God's not causing problems, but God is causing all things to work together. It's going to be for my good in the end. Amen? In the end, we win, right? What do we do in the meantime? Have fun and win. We win. Have fun. I like that. All right. Number nine, God's mercies are new every morning. It's out of uh, uh, the book of uh, Lamentations, which I know you read in your devotional time all the time. The book of Laments. I mean, it's like a depressing book if you're not careful, but there is a bright spot in this book where God talks about His mercies being new every morning. Man, I laid hold of that one time, and it just stuck with me to make me realize that every day that I get up, it's like waking up with a clean slate clean slate every morning his mercies are new it's it's a fresh start a, a, every day amen uh, so i'm a morning person i get up i'm like man it's new man i got no marks no strikes no scratches the board is clean amen now now i'm not gonna tell you what happens before 10 o'clock i mean it's all marked up but let me man when i get up it's clean can i get an amen so just declare that over your life here's another one my steps are ordered by the word it's the word of god it says that the word works, but you've got to work the word. Let's keep going. We'll finish up. Number 11, my Abba Father is fond of me. There's, a, there's a, a connection to that, and there's a story that goes along with that line. But literally, it just simply means this. I'm loved by God no matter what. That's a declaration of mine. God is crazy about me. He loves me. And there is nothing I can do to run out from under his grace. That's how much he loves me. Now, I'm not going to tempt it. 
I'm not going to mess with that. I'm not going to see how close to the line I can dance, how close to the edge of the forest that's full of wolves I can hang out. Let me go get over here and just test this out. Since, I, since he loves me, that's just an excuse for me to go be stupid. Wrong. So I'm not even going to test that one. I just, I just, by faith, I accept that. Number 12, God's favor surrounds me like a shield. That's Psalm 30, verse 5. His fa- I've got a favor shield. I, every time I drop Rachel off of school, I go, all right. It's, it's kind of like a, you know, like the ninjas or something. All right, favor shield on. That's just a thing I say. And she looks at me like, oh, Dad. You know, but, but for me, it's like, no, you got your favor shield on, girl. You're ready to engage. Lock and load, baby. Get in there. And she goes, I love you too, Daddy. See you after school. But... But she, I, it's like, favor shield on. It it's, reminds me of Power Rangers. But anyway, verse 13. God is delighting in the details of my life because my steps are ordered. All right, again, the scripture. The steps of the just, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. That's all that is. So I just, man, I declare, oh my God, thank you. You're just delighting in every detail. You've got it worked out. My steps are ordered. I'm just following in your footsteps. Number 14, another thing I say a lot is all things are possible. All things are possible. Oh, but it just looks impossible. I don't care. All things are possible. But it just looks... Listen, we saw the the video intro or the video clip from We Are Marshall. Let me tell you something. That was an impossible situation. That was an impossible moment. They won that football game against Xavier College. And they were so favored to lose. They were so outmatched, out everything, and they won it. They won it. They, they did the impossible. Listen, if a football game can happen, how much more can your life be brought into winning order? Amen? All right, number 15, my faith is growing daily as I hear the word. That's Romans 10, 17. For faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing and hearing by the word. So how do I hear... The word so that my faith can grow. Well, one of the ways is to declare it out of my own mouth. My faith grows when I hear the word spoken out of my own lips. So I'll take God's word and begin to speak it, begin to declare it, begin to say it, begin to declare it, begin to say it. And as I do, I hear it. And as I do, it expands me on the inside. And at some point, I become bigger on the inside than I am on the out. My faith increases. And then then the outside has to start matching up to the inside. See what I'm saying? There's a process here, and it's, just, it's crazy how this works. But as you sow it into your life, you just expand. You expand your capacity. And so if faith comes by hearing and hearing by that word, how many of you know we need to be hearing the word? I also get under teaching. You know, every once in a while, this, not to sound arrogant, every once in a while I'll listen to my own sermon because it freaks me out to hear my own voice. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's brutal almost. But I, one day, I mean, I just preached a rip-roaring sermon on faith, and in and I was in my office doing some stuff, and I just clicked on it because I was checking our website, and, and Alicia posts our podcast. I was testing it out. I started listening to it. Man, I started getting into it. I'm like, dude, that guy is good. That dude can preach. Man, I got excited. I got all stirred up hearing myself, and it was almost like an out-of-body experience because I didn't remember saying a lot of that, which is a little frightening, but I didn't remember all of it. But, man, as it was coming back, it was almost fresh, and I was hearing it, and I was hearing it. And, man, I don't do this all the time, but... But that time, it just expanded my faith. But I, I love to listen to Joyce Meyer. I, I'm telling you, that is one of the most practical Bible teachers on the planet. I love Creflo Dollar. I've watched Creflo evolve over the years from a, from a very prosperity-oriented teacher to a very balanced Bible teacher. And uh, I would encourage you to, they're on, get them on their websites, 
free, get them on TV, but get the word going. But then we'll listen to David Jeremiah, or we'll listen to Jensen Franklin on Sunday mornings, and we record and we listen. I like to listen, and I've been recording in DVR, and old Kenneth Hagen Sr. teachings. Man, you want to hear some faith teaching that'll rock your world? Kenneth Hagen Sr., not junior, senior, will rock your world. But anyway, let that word of God expand your faith. Let's all stand together. We're going to go through these and break some of these down because you need to understand why these things work. And I want, I want to equip you because I'm determined that you're going to win in this thing. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you. We love you. Father, I speak blessings and life over our people. I, Father, as, as I bless them, Lord, it's an empowerment to win. It's an empowerment to succeed. It's an empowerment to prosper. No matter what the circumstance looks like, no matter what the situation is, Father, you have equipped us for success. You have equipped us, Father, because you want to glorify yourself through our lives, Father. Our lives are to be a living testimony that God is indeed at work. And so, Lord, I pray for every person that our life, the word of our testimony, Father, as we declare the blood of the Lamb over our situations, as we get the word on our mouth, that, Father, we will literally see situations turn and change because we're there and because you, Lord Jesus, are working through us. And, Lord, Father, we, we, everything we say here tonight, Lord, is based because of what Jesus did on a cross for us. It's based on the fact that he went to the cross He took sin. And the Bible even says he became sin in that moment for us. And so, Lord, we say thank you tonight for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that even even our ability to prosper, to win, to live a blessed life is not about us. And it's not about people looking at us. It's about people looking through us to see Jesus. So, Lord, we want to always keep right perspective as we talk through these things. And Lord, I just I pray for every person here that they'll grab hold of what's being held out here. Father, these principles, these, these teachings, they'll grab hold of it and begin to internalize it and apply it to their own life, Father. And no one will walk away and say, well, that was a nice teaching. But look, God, they'll grab hold of this and begin to work it into their life, Father. And they'll see their life shift and change and accelerate. We bless you. We bless our city. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.